Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, North Springberry. This is Eagle Eyes on Tech. I am Eagle Falcon. We got not a lot to do. No, this is a very slow news week. Maybe I actually shouldn't like immediately always dip into the sarcasm. We actually do have a lot to do because it implies when I say we have a lot to do, we actually don't. And every time I fill an hour plus podcast easy with change consistently. But no, there is a lot to talk about. The fallout of the first week of Twitter, which has had um, not as many turns as you would think if you've been listening to mainstream tech news. I'll say that much. As kind of evident by the first two days that the tech media was uh, covering Elon's takeover of Twitter. I almost said Twitch. Wow. Of Twitter. There was a lot of bad reporting going around. And it's either been a lot of eager journalists willing to hop on board, a lot of Eagle journalists making up the reports to just break it. And then also there was just people within Twitter trying to fake being fired before the layoffs were actually passed down to make it much more dramatic. But there is still actual news to cover. I do have everything I can confirm to talk about. But first, before we get to that, I have a case of the very first... 12 volt high power ATX 3.0 connector native that melted. Now, this is starting to cause some concern because a lot of people are now going, <gasps> the whole standard is bugged. Oh no, it's awful. It's awful. It's all over. This AMD is the right answer because they didn't adopt the standard. Oh my God, no. All right, who wants to come down to Sane Town with me? Anyone? Anyone, do you want to just remain insane? I mean, if you do that, that's up to you. You know, you you do you. However, I like to deal in facts, all right? Here's what I got to say about this. First off, it's a new standard. The earliest versions of a new standard are going to be built very hastily and are going to be more susceptible to defects. This is kind of why I follow the philosophy of never buy first gen anything. Even the strange, weird, scammy sounding smart oven or, or what they call it, a kitchen robot that I have in my kitchen. I didn't buy the first generation of that. I waited until the second generation to see if they were even going to still be around it long enough to even make a second generation. I ended up with, with me getting a third generation two and a half and change years later. By the way, that sucker has been pretty good, but still having problems connected to the app and the handle broke. I sent it a trouble ticket. We're looking, waiting to see how it goes. I'll have a full report when I'm done with it, but so far so good. I'm actually really happy with it. Anyway, en- enough about the, the oven. I'm more I'm more stoked about than I should be. This connector. This is the second generation of this style of connector, but is still on a new standard. All right. So we've seen this kind of smaller 12-pin connector before on the Founders Edition of the 30 series. None of those connectors melted. None of those connectors burnt other than in very strange circumstances that were then tied down to literally something else. Oh man, that connector burned up. That connector's shoddy. The computer was in a house fire. The whole thing burned up. You know, little things like that, but not to that extreme, obviously. Now, the adapter cable that NVIDIA provided clearly has a problem. We have seen multiple upon multiple upon multiple reports of that connector melting and having a small fire. A lot of it has to do with the fact that the cards are massive. 
and the fact that you have to do tight bends to fit this massive card in a standard case. Even the big manufacturers that make the custom high-end cables, like CableMod and such, do recommend not doing any sharp bends. They specifically tell you to only start bends 45 millimeters away from the actual housing of the connector. There's actually people now making 3D printed braces just for this. So, is the entire connector scuffed? I do think there are flaws within the connector. I still can't get over the fact that this freaking obnoxious connector is only rated for 30 inserts and disconnects. That is absurd. That is unacceptable. The fact that, you know, we're seeing this melting going on here is kind of going along lines of, you know, maybe a revision of this connector to have it be more robust is in order. And the AMD cards are looking much, 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 much more attractive. But we'll have to get to that later in the podcast because now we actually do have some info about said cards, but not as much as one would hope. Instagram had some outages and these outages had a very strange side effect. The Instagram outages, rather than just not showing you the website, instead told people that their account was suspended. Impressive. I can't remember the last time I ever heard a server being out telling you that, I'm sorry, you've been banned. That's just bad coding. I'm sorry, that is. So, I mean, what it sounds like to me, and I don't know the details of this, mind you, but it sounds like to me that the way Instagram is coded is that if it can't, is that it has two different servers. One actually has your account information and one has a validation server that says whether the account is active or has been moderated for some way, shape, or form. And if it doesn't get a reply back, it just says, oh, you've been suspended, LOL. That is terrible programming. Who thought that was a good idea? Holy cow. Uh, what a what a great design. Why do we trust Facebook? I mean, Meta with so much again? We may never know. Now, speaking of other companies that have social media tendencies, but we kind of have questionable uh, faith in them, Discord. Discord has a lot of positives, but also a lot of baggage. We'll call it baggage. Scams right now on Discord are fairly widespread. There's a lot of bugs and glitches they're hesitant to do anything about because they're currently just used for silly memes like videos that will very quickly change the shape of their boundaries on the fly as they're playing for like a cool little effect. Like there's been a bunch going around early on when this when this was first discovered of like a video being crushed by hydraulic presses or just or just bouncing and minimizing rapidly to get, give like a oomch, 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 oomch sort of effect. But there's a ton of scams that go on in Discord. Tons of people trying to use keyloggers, tons of people trying to infect Discord clients themselves with keyloggers, tons of people trying to get you to install this, that, and the other thing. By the by, if a trusted friend very suddenly comes up to you and says, hey, can you test my game real quick? No, don't. This is actually a very well-known scam across Discord to have you install malware. Bad end for you. And quite frankly, 
it never really looked like Discord did a whole lot just because the problem was so pro prolific. However, Discord has put out its recent report of how it's cleaning house and it has banned 68,000 various servers and 55 million accounts. So first off, bravo on Discord for actually, you know, doing work, but then also that's a lot. Holy cow. Grant, it's not hard to make a bot and get it out there, but 55 million. Wow. That's crazy. And I do hope they continue to keep this up. Because, man, let me tell you, the landscape of Discord is getting better. But basically, here's the information I can give you. All right. Here's the best advice I can give you. If a friend is asking you to download strange software, Ask questions. You know, if you're a good bud who only plays Overwatch and works as, you know, a burger flipper at McDonald's, wants to go try out a game they recently made, ask them when they started getting into game development. <laughs> There's a decent chance they never did. You know, if someone gives you a, co a free redemption code for uh, Nitro, all you have to do is click a link, question it a little bit. Someone in chat asks, is this more bots than Twitter has? I don't know. The problem is that with uh, Discord, with uh, Twitter's bot numbers, it was always listed as a percentage of the total user base. And because we didn't have the total user base, it was very difficult to nail down exactly how many bots were there. It could be, it could be more, it could be less. It's gonna be one of the two. But back to the point about Discord scams. No, your friend doesn't have a new game for you to, d to test. No, more than likely the weird link you have to click in order to redeem your gift for free Nitro is probably fake. Same thing with any other kind of gift card. It's probably going to go ahead and infect you with malware and then have your account go ahead and be used for whatever. Be aware of these sort of things. Question anything. I cannot stress enough how effective questioning the potential scammer is at, front, at blowing up the whole thing. Because let me tell you, most scammers nowadays, they don't care about having a good, believable story and answering questions. They want to find the idiot that's just going to go ahead and blindly click it. And they will gladly move on if you start questioning them. Same thing with phone scams, by the way. You absolutely should ask questions. And the more questions you ask, the more, the more violent a, re a reaction you're going to get out of them. And if you're a troll like me, the more joy you're gonna get from it. There's nothing that makes me giggle more than hearing a so-called insurance agent call me an MFer because I dared to ask, what is the name of your company? Simple question. Any normal legitimate organization would be able to answer the question. And so many of them just don't want to. And it's not just Discord. You should be careful everywhere. I just recently had, one, had a couple of these pop up on Twitter. And before anyone goes, oh, it's because of Elon Musk. I had the same amount pop up before Elon bought the place. Like this has been going on over the past three weeks. So no, I'm not thrilled with the way that Elon's currently handling Twitter, but I'm not willing to throw him under the bus because a couple of people wanted me to go ahead and work from home for them, TM. Yeah, bad plan. Now let's shift gears over to the other side of the pond to China. As TikTok admits that Chinese staff can access European user data as <laughs> over here in the USA, the FCC commissioner is urging the app to be completely 
banned. This is not a good look for TikTok. I have been saying over and over and over and over and over again, something about the way TikTok operates just doesn't add up. The fact that they barely pay, I mean, first of all, they barely pay their, their content creators anything. They really don't. Content creators, and this actually came up after someone in the, in the chat in a previous episode uh, said, oh no, you can make money doing this, that, and the other thing. You're not really making money from TikTok. You're making money through basically a direct tip system that is disguised as stickers, which I don't know why. I can't explain why, but the concept of receiving tips via stickers of fruit just seems like it feels dirty. Maybe it's just me because I've been looking into a lot of other uh, very disturbing stories regarding TikTok lately, but the concept alone of just being like, oh yeah, have a banana, five bucks. It just seems like, ooh, it's hard to explain. Maybe my mind's just dirty and just instantly my mind goes, goes to the gutter the moment I see a phallic fruit. Anyway, the fact that Chinese staff can access European user data on the fly really does just say a lot about the company. TikTok, by the way, runs very few, if any, ads. Even the TikTok content creators at the very top make very, very little in regards to view revenue, the exact opposite of YouTube. Granted, much harder to make it on YouTube. Trust me. So the fact that there is, it's clear that TikTok makes their revenue via selling information and they skim a lot of information based on what you do watch and what you skip and then use the great and all powerful algorithm to go ahead and determine what all of that means about you. By using these powerful algorithms, they can then gather an entire profile and then sell that to whomever. Normally here in the US and in most of Europe, I think hopefully all of Europe, any sort of business that operates in this fashion is just gonna sell it to advertisers. But there's concern with TikTok being with China that it can be sold for far more nefarious purposes. And the fact that they have now admitted, okay, yeah, you got us. Our staff can access European user data, LOL. This isn't boding well for the future existence of TikTok in, uh, in the Western world. Because if there's anything people don't like more than um, the government spying on them, it's a foreign government spying on them. I would dare argue that most people dislike that a lot more. Speaking of across the pond, let's actually talk about European law. A new EU law, the European Union law, could force Apple and Google to allow third-party app stores as well as allowing iMessage interoperability and sideloading apps. This is going to be under what is known as the Digital Markets Act. This is going to be coming, this is going through everything right now. It is hard to say how it's going to go through, but I would dare argue it is very important, the exact language of this law, or else we're going to get a repeat of the European USB-C law. And by the way, remember how I said before that um, the law looked pretty tight? I used to actually have the time 
to read these laws myself. And I wish I did in this case because there is a clause inside the EU's USB-C law that is very important. If you know about this law, its sole purpose is to make it so that within Europe, any device that is charged via a wire, it must be USB-C. No more lightning, no more micro USB, no more proprietary nonsense, it must be USB-C. Do you notice the problem what I just said? If the electronic device is charged via a wire, the connection for the wire must be USB-C. What happens if the iPhone is not charged via a wire? What if it's charged wireless only? We've seen a lot of hints towards the possibility of a no port iPhone. And in fact, before anyone goes, oh, Eagle, you, you, you dumb poopy head, you didn't hear. Apple already said they would go ahead and make the USB-C iPhone. That's not what they said. Apple said they would comply with the European law. Let that sink in for a minute. And not physically. We're not doing that. The gateway is very open for just charging the device wirelessly. And considering the fact that Apple has spent two years trying to go ahead and make this MagSafe standard for their iPhones, why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they go ahead, remove the lightning port and say, hey, base iPhone, no ports. Pro iPhone, port. I have been predicting they were gonna make that move for like four years straight because all, everything seemed to line up for that. Everything continued to line up to, for this exact move. And quite frankly, I thought that that prediction was dead, completely and utterly dead. But the fact that I actually took journalist's word for what the law said and that instead you could just go wireless instead, bypass the whole thing because of the way this law is written, guess what? You're SOL. And this is what I get for taking the word of journalist for this. And thus, you know who actually took it to bring it to light to the tech media? I'll give you a hint. Even though I have The Verge up, it wasn't The Verge. It was MKBHD that brought this little bylaw to light. Someone in chat said, but isn't the wireless charging device also a device? Nope, it's a charging mechanism. It's not actually the electronic device. Whee! Like this starts getting into the weird sort of, okay, what is and isn't a, an electronic device? Like it's pretty easy to say that the battery bank that I carry with me is an electronic device because it actually does have a little mini screen on it, does have a lot of info on it, and has a small little onboard computer specifically to give out important information about the insane power delivery it has. Like, you could make the argument that that's an electronic device. You could also consider it just like, oh, no, 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 it's just, just, it's just a battery. It just charges things, whatever. So that's going to start falling into that weird what is and isn't that sort of line. And quite frankly, because the way the EU has worked in the past with these sort of things, most likely the way it's going to go is that it's, um, yeah, it's just going to get ignored until someone pushes it too far and then they'll be sued. That's most likely where it's going to go. All right. One last thing before we get to the break. This is actually an important one. I want to talk about tech quotes. Tech quotes, if you don't know, which I didn't either, is a Middle Eastern little tech review website slash content creator. 
what has happened is that they have recently gone public with the fact that major content or major electronics makers in the area have been basically trying to go ahead and force them to take down critical reviews, trying to go ahead and force them to only review on things the way they want them to be reviewed. Now over here in the west in the yeah, the western world, this is incredibly frowned upon. The full force of law enforcement would start cracking down on this sort of thing because that violates a number of various rules with things like the FCC and whatnot. In the Middle East, that's less the case, but it is still something that should be brought to light, even though I don't know what the rules are in the Middle East, mostly because, how would I? I live in the Midwest. We don't know how things operate there. We just don't. Nor am I going to try and pretend that I can be enlightened enough to understand, because I don't. It is all an enigma to me. But that being said, because these companies are global, the information should be brought to light so that we can, so that we here in other parts of the world can show our dissatisfaction because, well, quite frankly, trying to force reviewers to go ahead and say, hey, we don't agree with this is kind of important. So I am glad that TechQuotes brought this up. I can't really say a whole lot more beyond this. The manufacturers in question were AMD, NVIDIA. I believe Intel was one of them as well. I remember Gigabyte was mentioned. And I want to say MSI was mentioned as well. Actually, I don't think MSI was mentioned now that I think about it. But a a lot of the major tech culprits that are just kind of big players in the industry. I mean, NVIDIA doing it. (laughs) Are you really surprised? Are you? Because quite frankly, you shouldn't be. NVIDIA being scummy nowadays is in fact the norm as much as we hate to admit it. And I wish it wasn't the case, but it is. So I applaud tech quotes for bringing this to the forefront. And I do wish things are smoother for them moving forward. We're going to take our first break here when we come back. Elon Musk and Twitter coming up right after this. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. So to say that this has been a bad week for Twitter, tw- Twitter, oh, Twitter is um a bit of an understatement. Granted, it's not as bad as you've probably heard, but it's still bad. So Elon Musk has been in and there has been a lot that has been going on. So first off, The entire Twitter board is gone, period. Just straight up. The, before it was just the leads, that's pretty normal. Now the entire board, any remnant of what used to be there as far as leadership is gone. And quite frankly, this is a bad idea simply because, well, this ends up resulting in a massive amount of your of your advertisers abandoning the platform just straight up and in fact elon has said there has been a massive drop in revenue due to activists and advertisers pulling out by the way this is a bad idea 
if for whatever reason you have activists on you, whether they're in the right or the wrong, you never ever give them credit for anything. Because once you do, you have emboldened them to keep going after you. You'd never ever ever want to give in to the activists. It's re regardless on who's right in that. You never want to do that just because now the activists are going to go ahead and try to push for more. And that's actually how you very quickly get activists that are fighting for a good cause suddenly going way over the top and now kind of existing long enough to become the villain. And it's kind of backfired in a weird sort of way because now that there's a massive drop in revenue, this is now forcing Elon to cut the upkeep and costs of Twitter by close to a billion dollars. Now that also being said, it is a good idea once you're a big company to actually go ahead and make sure you are cutting your costs accordingly. The last thing you wanna do is just let yourself get bigger, so big and not pay attention to your costs as much that if you have a little dip, all of a sudden your massive costs that you just let inflate going, ah, whatever, we're too big to fail, just become one big batch of liability. So of course they're looking to try and cut costs, increase revenue. Now, of course, one of the ways you can do that is very simple. This one, in fact, hedge on the massive bank of content creators you have on Twitter and just say, you know, maybe we should let you, maybe we'll let you put videos behind a paywall and, you know, we'll provide the payment process on our end. We'll take a cut. You get the rest and GG. It's not the worst idea in the world. It's just one that's already been done. Most content creators, I would say that have this sort of thing in uh, this sort of thing in place, we're already set. Like, let's say, for example, I was a much bigger streamer and podcast creator than I am, and I wanted to go ahead and put some content behind a paywall. Twitch already lets me go ahead and put VODs behind a subscriber paywall. I can already do that with streams now. It's stupid, but I can. I can already do the same thing on YouTube as well. Heck, we had a paywalled podcast here on Anchor. It actually didn't do it all that well and it was too much hassle to keep up. So I axed it and instead put that effort towards making the main podcast better. So I don't think letting users put videos behind a paywall is gonna be that great of an issue. Someone in chat asks, wasn't he gonna be cutting people from the get-go? So yes and no. He said he was going to cut a massive amount on Twitter before. He was saying something like 75%. Then when he got in, he said he wasn't going to cut anyone. This actually now leads to my problem. And my problem is actually trying to go ahead, filter through all the freaking reports, all the stuff people make up, and how many of it was just him spouting nonsense on Twitter and figure out what actually happened. It has been the bane of my existence and has turned this podcast prep from something that takes me four hours to something that takes 10. And I wish I wasn't exaggerating. It is insane. The amount of bad info people run with. But we're going to get to the actual cuts in just a minute. In fact, how about instead of just a minute, we'll just say right now, there have actually been a workforce cut. It has now already happened. The workforce is being shut down by roughly 50%. Some reports are saying that the determination of which half was being cut was determined 
by a bot trying to go ahead and determine how many lines of code each worker has written and just fire them based on that. I have not verified if that is in fact the case or not. If that is, that is a horrible idea. Let me tell you a secret. And this is gonna seem like completely out of left field, all right? Do you know how Korean MMOs are made? You know, those things that are kind of fun, kind of quirky, have their own little design style that's really interesting, but then once you actually get into the game, is a buggy nightmare that is barely playable, but you tolerate it because the gameplay is fun enough and the art style is so unique, you just continue to want to play in, you know, Terra, Ragnarok Online, those sort of things. The main reason being is that Korean coders for those style of games are paid per line of code. That's the main reason why. As long as the code executes and, and wins over basic code testing, the more lines you write, the better off you are. Yay! Who cares if a bunch of that of those lines of code is junk and just makes everything kind of a buggy mess? More code, more better. -er. Yeah, that's it's not a good plan to go ahead and fire employees based on the lot number, the amount of code they've written. After all, quality far more important than quantity. Now, for those trying to say that uh, this immediately gets rid of everyone that worked on security, uh, no, there is no direct correlation by saying that the important code is smaller. There's no conspiracy theory to this. It's just bad logic. Like there are a lot of people looking at, looking at these reports, which I wanna stress again, not verified. I wanna stress that about the fired based on num amount of code they wrote, they written, not verified. But to try and say that, that, oh man, he's getting rid of all the people who wrote the fewest. Those are all the people that wrote security. Those are all the ones that wrote all the algorithms for censorship and what whatnot to go and all that sort of jazz. Oh, he's going in and making it so much. He's getting rid of all the people he hated the most. It's all one big plan. No, no, it's not malice. It's stupid. There's a difference. So no, if that is the case, I disagree. I also don't think cutting 50% of the workforce is a smart idea. The other main reason is also within the state of California, you have to give by law up to, I want to say 60 days notice before any kind of layoff. It is 60 days. Ha! I actually remembered it. Anyway, you have to give 60 days notice to the staff in advance of any massive layoff. So already there's a class action lawsuit going down because, you know, God forbid you actually pay attention to the labor laws in your state. God forbid Elon actually goes out and just, you know, actually has an HR department, evaluate the performance of each employee, figures out who the slackers are, who the senior coders are that have gotten a bit too comfy and have just been riding on the fact that they're one of the first ones there and you can't get rid of me because I'm the one who originally wrote in X, Y, and Z. You know, God forbid, if you want to actually go ahead and actually trim the fat, you actually have someone go in and analyze which is the fat in your workforce and which is the actual juicy meat that you actually want. And yes, I know that sounds weird comparing a workforce to a giant brisket, but that actually is kind of how it goes down. It's really weird and kind of, no, actually just weird. It, it is just weird, but that is kind of how things go. So, I mean, that's already bad news, all right? Revenue's down. Massive layoffs are coming, which is going to cause even less faith in the company, which is going to go ahead and and make everything worse. 
like this is starting to create a kind of death spiral effect. So already not good, not good at all for Twitter, but it's okay because we got the solution. Are you ready for this? The best idea ever, the idea that everyone won't shut up about, the one that has been talked to death so much that even I'm sick of it, and this is the first time I'm talking about it on the podcast. It is, in fact, the new Twitter Blue that is now no longer a rumor. See, Twitter Blue right now is a subscription within Twitter that you pay $5 a month and you gain access to a number of features, such as the edit button and no ads as well as a few other minor things you don't care about but elon sees potential in twitter blue and so do i for that fact this honestly for five dollars a month twitter blue provides very little of anything and quite frankly to try and go ahead and improve the twitter experience for five dollars a month you really got to provide some serious value so here's what elon's plan is so first off we're gonna go ahead and make it so that you need twitter blue to keep the blue check mark. And for those who preferred having the blue check mark as validation for who they are, which in turn gave a lot of those blue check mark people the free clear to spout BS. I swear blue check mark bad takes are the worst bad takes, but I digress. For those who actually wanted the blue check mark to verify they are who they are, they'll have a sub little text box under them stating their position. And the blue check mark, it basically becomes a sub badge to Twitter. The free ads feature, that's being taken out. You just get reduced ads now, whatever that means. And that edit button feature that you all wanted and should have been simple, well, don't worry. That's going to be available to all. And you get all of this on Twitter blue for the low, low price of $20. I mean, $8. So for 50% more dollars per month, I get less but if I was cool enough to get the blue check mark because, you know, I actually made a name of myself, now I have to pay to keep it, even though it's going to make the blue check mark lose its value because now anyone can get it. And now make it, you know, next to worthless. And now everyone's just going to want to go ahead and just get the subtext under their name. Now, someone in chat points out that Stephen King actually was the uh, negotiator accidentally when getting in a ranting match with Elon that brought the $20 down to eight. Here's my thought on that. Who cares? $20 a month, $8 a month, $5 a month. This is a terrible deal. Let me propose to you, my author, you provide me $8 a month and I send you a digital sticker. What a fantastic deal. This is awful. This is absolutely terrible. Like, this is the first week of Elon being in charge. And I'm, I, I even said, I'm willing to enter this with an open mind. I'm not going to go ahead and, and be like The Verge, be like Engadget, be like most of the mainstream news outlets that went ahead and the moment they, he they heard Trump being unbanned, went ahead and said, oh, this is the worst thing ever. This is Armageddon. Like, I'm willing to stay calm. I will step back and I will approach this with a logical mind. From a business standpoint, all of these moves have been stupid. And quite frankly, uh, this isn't spelling good for Twitter. Whether this is a case of mismanagement by Elon or a self-fulfilling prophecy as everyone keeps cheering for the destruction of Twitter now that Elon bought it and it's now inevitable as a result, it's hard to say. In the end, it's probably at this rate, 
it is be a combination of both. And the end, all I can really do is sit back and wait and see what ends up happening. This is going to be one heck of a roller coaster. And I do have to say, be careful what you read about this, because there are just far too many bad reports and bad intel going on about this. But there is still plenty of actual bad news so far surrounding this. That's always one thing I don't get. Why one run with the bad report of Elon firing 75% of the Twitter staff when you have the real report of him firing 50% of the staff right freaking there? You have it. You have the actual report. Why are some people still running with 75? Idiots. Freaking idiots. So that's so far what we got about Twitter. Now let's go talk about YouTube. YouTube is now going to be selling third-party subscription streaming services through the, quote, new primetime channel hubs. This whole concept is going to be YouTube's attempt to try and compete with Roku. Right now, the state of TV streaming is an absolute nightmare, complete and utterly. All right, here's a pop quiz for you. Let's say you want to watch the the show Rick and Morty. Where do you go? Hard one, isn't it? The whole thing ends up becoming a giant minefield. Because, of course, if you don't have cable, now you got to figure out what streaming service has it. If you think Hulu, well, you're SOL. Because they don't have the latest season. They only have, they are a full season behind. The correct answer is actually HBO+. Plus, despite the fact that both Hulu and Amazon Prime have it. Netflix also actually has current, but only in the EU for some reason. So everyone wants to try and get into the space of trying to have one centralized hub to make things simpler. This is YouTube trying to get into the game to sell the AMC Plus, to sell the Stars, to sell Paramount Plus, to sell Showtime, to sell actually HBO Max is not on here. Disney Plus isn't on here either. Sell VIX Plus, whatever the heck that is. Personally, I already have a Roku. (laughs) I have a Roku stick plugged into my main TV. And quite frankly, it is, um, it's going to be the way I go. Someone in chat says that Google TV search will tell them where the content is. Hey, good for you. That's like Google has the capability to be an instrumental tool in this minefield right now. Because the last thing you want to do is then sign up for that free trial that you forget about and end up being dinged every week for Disney Plus. I mean, every month only to not get what you wanted. And you especially need to be careful because if you go ahead and sign up for all of these various subscription services at 5, 10, 15 a month, you're going to be outdoing your cable bill very, very quickly. So I, for one, say good luck, good luck, YouTube. Good freaking luck. Speaking of the streaming space, Netflix has actually made the Netflix with ads tier far worse than we expected. So Netflix with ads is basically trying to go ahead and offer a cheaper version of Netflix, but is ad supported because you know, who doesn't want to spend, who doesn't want to spend, or I mean, save $4 a month and instead just have their content interrupted with ads, which may or may not have been the reason they left cable in the first place. And already this sounded bad. Okay. It actually got worse. So like Hulu with ads, well, at least go through the effort and actually put their mid-roll ad breaks where the commercial breaks normally would be 
in a TV series. Netflix didn't. It is seemingly random where the ads are inserted, whether it's pre-rolls only, post-rolls only, or mid-rolls. And the mid-rolls are inserted randomly. Random. Random. Isn't that great? It's like a box of chocolates. You don't know which one is actually a turd. Why? I just, it's not like they haven't been, it's not like they rushed this out either. This has been teased for almost two years straight. Wouldn't you think you'd want to go ahead and make sure it was the most, the best ad supported experience you could possibly have? Or was the sole purpose of this to be terrible so that they just go back to accepting the Netflix price that seems to go up another dollar every year? Someone in chat said random worked for Twitch. No, no, it didn't. No, it's terrible. Don't do it. Don't do it. Bad end. Granted, a lot of streamers, though, are still are doing the random ad inserts solely because they don't really have a choice. I'm still not a fan of that model. Going in, injecting ads within the content at set intervals that the streamer has very little control over solely to meet that um, five, ad, five minutes of ads every hour for 100 and some hours to meet that goal and get that payout so that they can go ahead and pay their rent. I'm not a fan of that. I would much rather go in and inject the ads myself and then be rewarded for it. You know, like any other normal outlet would. But of course, I'm the crazy person. Although realistically, I'm not the crazy person. You know who is the crazy person? NVIDIA. NVIDIA is the crazy person. Because you know what? Some leaked benchmarks got, got out for the card they unlaunched. For context on this, by the way, NVIDIA launched three RTX 40 series cards. They launched the RTX 4090, the RTX 4080, and the RTX 4080. It's just that one RTX 4080 had, what was it, 16 gigabytes of RAM? And the other had 12 gigabytes of RAM. And anyone that actually went ahead and tried to look up the cards would find that the variant of the 4080 that only had 12 gigabytes of RAM also had roughly 10% less of the GPU there. The 4080 12GB edition was radically shaved down on paper, but of course when it comes to GPUs, you can't exactly go by just the specs. Performance is what matters. And the performance numbers that have now leaked out regarding the RTX 4080 12GB model shows that I was right! The card was roughly 10% less than the RTX 4080. The other one, the one that actually was the RTX 4080, not the 4080 with 12 gigabytes of RAM, which might as well have been a 4070. So yes, we were right. We were 100% right. NVIDIA literally, not figuratively, literally tried to scam. And we wonder why EVGA wanted out. Holy cow. It's terrible. It is absolutely abysmal. Now, granted, before this leaked out, the RTX 4080 12GB model has been, quote, unlaunched. Mostly because everyone shamed NVIDIA into not releasing this card under this name. I have a feeling we'll see this card launched as the RTX 4070 Ti. Because, you know, that makes sense. The fact they even tried to do this, though, is scummy as heck. And as you're going out and trying to justify supporting one company or the other, it's the little things like this that really do 
play a big role in this. And before anyone goes, oh, but they already did this before with the G with the GTX 1060 and the 1660. They already did this. This is old news. It has never been this bad. Like there's a there's a performance difference between the 1060 3 gig and 6 gig models. There was a performance difference. It was roughly 4%. This is a 10% performance difference. This is the kind of performance difference you'd normally see between, oh, I don't know, an 80 tier and a 70 tier. For those who don't know, NVIDIA kind of works in, in a number scale. The first set of numbers is the generation, in this case, 40. The second set of numbers is the strength, 90 being the highest, then 80, then 70, then 60, then 50, with 50 being what's considered the baseline or the, the bottom line for gaming performance. And then TI meaning a halfway step. If you ever wondered about NVIDIA numbers, that's what they mean. The end. Now you know. So yeah, between this and the connectors that are melting on the 40 series NVIDIA cards, it doesn't look like a generation that a lot of people are going to be too enthusiastic about uh, touching. AMD, on the other hand, hmm, we have the word on two of the new AMD cards. The RX 7900 XT and the RX 7900 XTX. Um, not gonna lie, I hate the names. I, I really do. <laughs> I hate these names. <laughs> couldn't we have thrown a 50 in there? That's something you actually do, AMD. <laughs> Why couldn't it be a 7900 XT and a 7950 XT? I mean, what's the... Uh, I, I, at least it's not the 4080, I guess. But these cards appear, at least on paper, to be decent. We are seeing AV1 encoding. That's going to be really good for streamers. We'll have to see how the performance actually is. The performance numbers seem like a pretty good upgrade over the outgoing 6,000 series. And the price? For cards that are supposed to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the 4090, $1,000 and $900 is actually pretty competitive. Also, what the heck does that say about the freaking GPU market? When I say that $1,000 sounds like a good price. If I said that five years ago, I would drag myself out on the street and beat myself up. That sounds absurd. But this is the state that Nvidia has now put us in. The other good news on these is the fact that as was confirmed earlier, they are in fact using standard six and eight pins for the power connector. They are just two and two and a half slot cards. So we don't have to have the case problem we've been seeing on the RTX 4090, but some estimated numbers that have been given show that they're not gonna be as good at RTX performance or ray tracing performance as Nvidia's cards. But I mean, what would you rather have? Not have a house fire or better ray tracing? Personally, I'm gonna side on the less likely to cause house fire, which apparently now is a feature in GPUs. What is this world I live in now? Now, before you go ahead and pre-order anything, by the way, do not pre-order GPUs. I know that anyone who didn't pre-order, say, the PS5 or the Xbox Series X when it first came out got burned because they went out of stock immediately. Trust me on this. Wait until you see numbers before you pre-order these cards. Because as much as I want to root for AMD, as much as I want to see someone put some serious pressure to NVIDIA, the numbers they gave us look very sketch. They committed one of the biggest crimes when it comes to tech keynotes. They showed bar graphs with very little info that just said, 
general 1.5x better or 1.7x better and worse none of it was comp was compared to their competition so personally i would recommend holding with what you got waiting until independent reviewers run their testing and yes look at multiple reviewers oh but i prefer gamers nexus over linus tech tips watch both and throw Jay's two cents hardware unbox and Tom's hardware and every other person you want. That is how you get the best picture because it's very easy for say one outlet like gamers Nexus to have a bad driver and then have, and then absolutely burn a card because they feel it was just absolutely terrible performance because their driver was bad. Multiple sources, always, 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 always. We're going to take a break here. When we come back, someone chat says they only use the Verge. No, bad. You especially never should only look at the Verge for a source. We're going to take a break here. When we come back, I want to talk about Intel and the absolute scam they're about to run. This one, I feel, is far worse than anything else we've seen from the tech hardware industry as of late. <laughs> Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. That was what I intended to play, but here we are. Intel has finalized a feature that I hate. I hate this with a fiery passion of a thousand suns. It is called Intel On Demand. Here's what Intel On Demand does. It is software built into the processor itself to lock down features of the processor as you pay every month. Now this is gonna be implemented on the Xeon scalable processors at first. So it's only gonna be coming to the data center for starters, but this is something they've contemplated putting into consumer processors as well. So on its face, having features like hypervisor support or extra cache or hyper threading and such locked behind a paywall when it's already on the processor I physically have right there in the data center already is insulting. This is already something that I absolutely hate with the fiery passion of a thousand suns. This is a feature that the new leadership should have just killed. This is something that's gonna tick off every single customer like myself right off the bat, right out of the gate. Just no, no, you, no. We're already giving BMW flack for their charging you per month to use heated seats. What made you think you'd get away with it with a processor? But let me ask you this. Intel, do you know where you are in the data center world right now? Like here in the consumer world, we marvel at the concept of an eight core processor or even a 16 core. That's the most we get right now. Right now, Intel's also trying to lie and say like, oh, we have a 20 core processor when they don't, they have an eight plus 12 core processor, 12 efficiency cores, eight performance cores. They have an eight core processor that's paired up with 12 efficiency cores, but those cores are not equal. You know what the data center has right now? Intel has 28 full real cores on a Xeon, 28 cores on one CPU. And in the data center usually have two CPUs per server. So that's 56 cores, that's impressive. Their competition, AMD, can shove 64. 
Let me repeat that. 64 cores on one processor. Real cores, mind you. None of this efficiency core nonsense. And they can shove two in there. That's 128 cores per server. AMD on paper, as long as data centers are willing to get out of the mindset that Intel's the only way to go, AMD can slaughter Intel in the one arena they are king at. And you go ahead and give data center users a reason to bail? What is wrong with you? What is wrong with you, Intel? Jesus. These kind of models is what's going to cause people to abandon ship and just move on to something else. By the by, uh, speaking of which, there it, I do have to place a correction on one article I talked about last week in regards to Adobe and the Pantone colors. Uh, first off, it does appear that both Adobe and Pantone are at the middle of this. Both of them are. It's not just Adobe trying to go ahead and squeak a buck like it was originally explained to me. It is not. In fact, Pantone is trying to squeeze money out of Adobe. Adobe's way of trying to implement their way of getting more money out of this and trying to recoup costs in addition to the way the license is, is designed, which is also another component of this, makes it so that if you use Pantone colors before, all those colors are now replaced with black unless you pay up. So thanks, Pantone. Thanks. I hate it. Already people are talking about how various outlets are contemplating switching their platform in addition to just simply develop their own system. Because a lot of this is just like, oh, who cares? Amazon has the money. They'll pay that sort of thing. No, Amazon would look at this sort of thing, look at it as petty and go develop their own thing because they have the money and resources to do that. And when you start implementing a mechanism where it costs, oh, it costs me extra dollars a month to run the CPU. Oh, it costs me extra dollars a month to go ahead and use this color system. They're going to go develop their own system because in the long run, it will be cheaper. Just straight up. This is a bad plan. So no, I am not a fan of Intel going ahead and locking behind multiple cores behind a monthly subscription paywall. I don't like the idea of them locking anything in my computer behind a subscription paywall. It's my freaking hardware. I freaking paid for it. And if this is gonna be the way that Intel tries to go ahead and kill their own model, then so be it, we're gonna go to somewhere else. Or you know what? Maybe this will be how 86 finally dies and everyone embraces ARM. Because Intel didn't have the brains to realize how bad this was for them in the long run and decided, well, I guess this is how my company dies, the end lull. Awful, 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 and for shame. And the fact that an engineer is even behind the current CEO at Intel and they let this launch without saying, you know what, maybe, just maybe, this was a terrible idea, really does also show just how much of the old money-grubbing guard within Intel is still around and really should be ousted out. Because, yeah, okay, this will help your stockholders in the, in the short term. But guess what? That's all stockholders care about. They care about making money on your stock, and then when they made their money, get out and move on to the next one. It is always short-term games. Why the heck do you think they look at processors and computers that operate so fast? A lot of short-term games. Millions per second. Ugh. Anyway, Samsung is promising a ultra-wide 2.1 DisplayPort 8K wide. 
model, monitor. Maybe I'm just old fashioned. All right, maybe this is just me. Does anyone really, really, really want these like super ultra wide monitors that are like as wide as my three monitors that I have here in one batch? I'm, I'm, I'm willing to fully admit, maybe I just don't get it. But this sort of thing seems kind of weird to me. But I mean, you know what? You do you. The biggest problem though is that this is pixel density wise, it's not 8K. It's actually closer to 4K because of how wide it is and the fact that the 8K is only measured on the vertical and the horizontal is super, super wide. The pixel density is much closer to 4K than it is 8K. Whoops. Yeah, we're really starting to get to see 8K being hard pushed as the new 1080p, as the new 4K, as the new buzzword that if your thing's not 4K or, 10, or high def or anything like that, you don't have a real monitor. You don't have a real screen. Your TV is obsolete because it doesn't have 8Ks written on it. You wanna know the resolution of my monitors? Main monitor, 1920 by 1200. Side monitor, 1650 by 1050. Left monitor, 1650 by 1050. And you know what? They look dang good. I mean, so what if they're, you know, high quality creator monitors from, when was this made? 2010. Still gets the job done. You know what? Unlike the modern monitors, I have all my ports. Ha! You and your thin monitors not having all your ports. Checkmate. Someone in chat asked, what's the benefit supposed to be? You see, that's a very good question. The benefit an ultra wide monitor is, um, uh, wide. <laughs> okay, no, a there actually is some gaming advantage. Uh, there are games that will take advantage of these wider uh, monitors and give you a much better field of vision and give you more peripheral vision in the corners of your eyes. So there actually is supposed to be a benefit to this. And more importantly, the games that do support that will go ahead and be smart enough to put your HUD in the middle. Unlike the early versions, they'll just be like, oh yeah, your health will see in the lower right hand or the lower left hand corner and your ammo will see in the lower right hand corner and then throw them on these ultra wide monitors all the way over yonder and yonder. So you're constantly tilting your head. Okay, I'm at full. All right, I still got ammo. I need to reload. That was my health. <laughs> yeah, that was bad implementation. Never do that again. Nobody wants that ever. There is a new Mac app out there and it's gonna change the world you think about the world. Cause you know what it can do? It could stalk you and let you watch you and, and let you watch it watching you stalk you. Well, if you want to, if you want me to tell you what the purpose of this is, I'm not gonna lie. I don't know. This, this falls in the category of, huh? So this app, Rewind, will in fact record you using the computer and let you watch it later. The only use I could see for this is if you are the most helicoptery of helicopter parents and you wanna make sure that your kids aren't doing terrible things in front of the Mac. This is the best I can think of. This, the, it took me a full day to think on this, and this is the best answer I got. So that's all you're gonna get from me. I have no better answers other than that. So if you're into that sort of thing, you do that. Anyway, I need something more sane. Microsoft has had to say a few things, all right? Microsoft has a problem in the Xbox department. First off, the only Xbox that's available right now is the Xbox Series S. That small white one that it looks like it has a speaker, in, a giant speaker in it, but doesn't. The one that developers last week said they want to stop developing for 
because there's literally a giant boat anchor on them trying to make actual high quality games because its performance is so much less compared to the Series X. While it has come out on the price of manufacturing on both models of the Xbox, actually before I even say this, this is about the time now we'd see on new generations that we start seeing a price decrease as the technology to develop these high-end consoles begins to get cheaper as the technology gets older. We of course haven't seen that because we live in Insano land called post 2020 or 2020 part three, where chips were unable to meet up with demand and every single fabrication was too busy trying to go ahead and meet up with the current demand that um, the supply chain pretty much collapsed on almost everything because everything uses silicon nowadays because we live in a cyberpunk world where everything must be intelligent and therefore everything must be stupid. Yes, that makes total sense. Don't question me. You know I'm right. Everything is smart, therefore everything is stupid. So, with that said, we should be expecting Xbox prices to go down. However, it is expected that Microsoft is going to have to increase prices because right now they are losing $200 per Xbox. It's not uncommon early in the life cycle of new consoles to turn a loss on the consoles and then make it up on the $10 extra per game. This is a well-known thing within the console universe. It is also why a crazy man like me is far more leaning towards gaming PCs, both because A, it's a money saving in the grand scheme of things, and B, because I'm a psychopath that tries to go ahead and resurrect dead computers and turn them into gaming rigs. I'm a sane person, I swear. $200 loss on each xbox sold that is a little crazy and honestly here's what i have to say i don't think there's going to be a price hike you want to know why i don't think there's gonna be a price hike because sony tried the exact same thing they tried to say they're going to do a price hike on the playstation 5 you know where that price hike went nowhere actually it did go somewhere you know what they did for the price hike they made it so you couldn't buy the ps5 alone even directly from sony and we saw this because that's where mine came from I actually have one. I have the rare pop-collared Kaiba unicorn console here that looks like a, a giant router. By the way, I know people have said this, but holy cow, the PS5 is massive. Like, it is as tall as my forearm. Anyway, I digress. What Sony ended up doing instead of actually marking up the games or the, or the consoles, like they said they were going to, they just started selling the PS5 with a bundled full-price game in it and just sell you the cheap digital copy instead. That's what mine did. Mine cost, uh, cost uh, $60 more because it came with Horizon Forbidden West. And what did it have with it instead? It had a scratch card. That's it. Watch, Microsoft's gonna do the exact same thing because when push comes to shove, they're gonna go ahead and do whatever is gonna make the most sense. And if Sony can get away with doing this, oh, you bet Microsoft's gonna do the same thing. It's a no brainer. Why wouldn't you? if your competition can do the exact same thing. Speaking of Sony, the PlayStation VR 2 is going to arrive in February for $550. Anyway, ASRock wants to turn your PC case into an extra monitor with this extra side panel kit. The whole point of this is if you have a certain ASRock motherboard, you can get a fairly decent sized LCD screen that will then mount on the inside of the glass panel of your case and connect via a single cable to the ASRock motherboard. Now, 
this concept isn't new. In the PC modding world, there's actually been a great idea of putting like a small little 10 inch Raspberry Pi monitor right in the bottom corner of your case and have it be like a little diagnostic info display. So this concept isn't new. In fact, I'm actually a big fan of the in-case diagnostic display that shows performance, temps, all that sort of jazz. A second monitor though, built into the case? Mmm, that does not seem like a great plan. I'm just saying. Maybe some people with certain setups can make it work. Me personally, I think it's gonna be too much trouble for it. But you know, I'll give ASRock credit. It is a new idea. Unlike T-Mobile that is using an old idea. The old idea of charging $35 on all activations and upgrades. Remember when T-Mobile was around long enough to be the, um, the uncarrier that their sole purpose in existence was gonna be to, you know, not do the things all the other big carriers were gonna do? Well, good news. Now that they bought Sprint, uh, they decided to just toss all that aside. So in addition to not actually having good coverage in areas, like, I'll be honest, I'm a T-Mobile customer. They had a good deal, made me switch off Verizon. And um, yeah, I got bad reception both where I live and in a couple of the places I had a service. There was actually even a situation where there was a pop-up tornado and I never got the notification. We just heard other people's phones in, in the office max we were in go off. And then I was with my coworker and it's just like, you know, um, we're gonna check out and then I don't know about you, but I'm gonna go ahead and like hang out at like the far end of the store away from the windows, just in case. Cause it looks really bad out there. My phone never went off. Imagine if I was just by myself. That is seriously concerning. And that is a huge problem. If your coverage is that bad, now you're gonna go ahead and tack on a $35 activation fee and all on top of all this, man, F you. That's all I gotta say, just screw that next upgrade seriously contemplating getting out of t-mobile probably will i just don't know if it's gonna remain in android or actually switch over to apple because man both both platforms right now man it looks awful i would take a break but we only got a few stories left so let's just let's just crash through this and then let's also just mark it on the calendar zero days since last nft rant let's talk about symbiogenesis Symbiogenesis, if you don't know, was a copyright term that Square Enix put out there. And um, everyone speculated that it was going to be a revival of the Parasite Eve franchise. And a lot of people got excited. Well, as you probably guessed, because of the fact that I said zero days since last NFT rant, bad news. It's NFTs. <sighs> NFTs, for those who don't know, is a digital token and serial number that certifies that whatever the link is attached to inside the NFT is something that is the property of the NFT holder. If the NFT is stolen, that means that whatever it owns to is, pro is the proper owner, except nobody actually recognizes the ownership of NFTs in any court of law. It is all just fabricated nonsense by every single crypto bro out there. But they'll still pay tons of money for them because they have the disillusion that maybe one day it's gonna be worth money even though the investment into an NFT is actually even worse than, than investing in the freaking Powerball lottery. There's your quick summary of NFTs. Now, Square has revealed that the, the Symbiogenesis is an upcoming project that was 
supposed to be a Parasite Eve related, at least we hope so, but it's all centered around NFTs. It is supposed to be a kind of game all focused around these NFTs. You can buy them and uh, whatever. Look, the NFT market has crashed. The crypto market has crashed and it keeps on crashing. It keeps trying to go up and then it goes down some more when they realize, oh wait, all the money there was to be made on the Ethereum blockchain is now gone because of course they went proof of stake instead of proof of work. But it's okay, you can use these digital art artworks as profile pictures. Even though the popular of NF NFTs in the Western world is a rat is a whopping negative 69 out of 10 favorability and the favorability of NFTs in the Eastern world is roughly a solid four out of 10 solely because people still want to believe that anything they can use to go ahead and bring themselves out of poverty still gives them hope. I'm going to be blunt. The Square Enix CEO is an idiot straight up Square Enix. If you don't know, is a massive publisher and they actually do develop their own games. They have multiple different business units within the company. Business unit three right now being the easily the biggest saving grace within Square Enix. Business unit three, if you don't know, they are in charge of, of the critically acclaimed MMO Final Fantasy 14 and are also in charge of the upcoming and actually really good looking Final Fantasy 16. But otherwise, the other gems you've had out of Square have been Stranger of Paradise, which has been, um, it's been a good game by accident, I think is the best way to put it. Pretty good Dark Souls game-esque sort of thing, while having very strange difficulty curves throughout it, but with a plot that is too dumb to take seriously, but it's still a great time. I'm enjoying the heck out of the game. But then you also got things like, oh, I don't know, FF7 uh, for Soldier, a game that has already gone belly up. It is already dead. These sort of live service games that Square is trying to double down on have done nothing but failed because they've been shown to be the exact sort of money-grubbing sort of nonsense that we are absolutely hating Blizzard for. Blizzard, a titan in the Western world. Their gaming credibility is now mud because they're going these live service models, because they're going with these predatory style of monetizations. But of course, Square Enix CEO, who actually has a, a fantastic reputation, Square has an amazing reputation, but let's push that through the mud for the purpose of, of short-term gains. I don't know how one CEO can be so stupid, especially since they currently have the poster child of long-term growth. You have FF14, the game that launched an utter failure. It was a failure when it launched, but then they went, went ahead with the bold plan of trying to resurrect it from the dead. And against all freaking odds, it worked and is one of the most popular MMOs on the planet. You have a team that has turned literal dirt and turds into gold. But no, let's go ahead and let's nibble down on NFTs. Ooh, Web.3.0. Oh man, play to earn, even though no play to earn game has actually lasted more than a year. No, let's double down on all the garbage that has failed. Let's double down on it all. Even though you have plenty of games that turned to profit really early, really quickly, and then brought the company to its death. Where is Axie Affinity now? Where is your play to earn model now? Oh, that's right, they're bankrupt. 
Them and every single sucker that bought into the game are bankrupt. So again, tell me again why NFTs are great. Tell me again why play to earn is great. Tell me why these models that are built on a blasted pyramid scheme are such a great idea. Tell me Square, tell me. Because I know the answer and I don't want, you know what, any other company, I'd say you do it, see what happens. But I love you guys. You guys have been my childhood. You guys have made some of the best games that anyone has ever grown up on. You have some of the most iconic storytelling franchises on the planet. So why, why have you not ousted this rich moron of a CEO that does not deserve the seat he's in? He has to go get rid of him. I don't care who you put in there, but anyone, as long as they don't buy into these scummy, terrible, crap-tastic schemes is gonna be better for the future of that company than the moron that is sitting in there now. I have said it again and again and again, and as long as you keep making stupid, moronic, damaging decisions like this, I will keep ranting it. In other oddball news, IKEA has asked a horror game to please change the people stop so that people stop comparing it to IKEA. I'm not gonna lie, this one amuses me greatly. And quite frankly, after the rage-inducing nonsense that is Square Enix, I need a palate cleanser. The solo indie developer uh, developer got sent a cease and desist letter by IKEA in regards to their game. I actually cannot see. Oh, there it is. The store is closed is the game, but they're sent a cease and desist letter because the store that you're in looks far too much like an Ikea. I'm not even mad. I'm not even mad. That is bloody impressive to actually go ahead and get set a cease and desist because you look too much like an Ikea is interesting. Although granted, the sign saying Swedish meat now 79% flesh doesn't exactly help in uh, trying not to get sued. In other news, an Amstrad hotel could also take legal action against their appearance in Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. No, not that Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, the other Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. Yes, I am still upset that there are two games that are radically different from each other called Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. Why? Why is this a thing that exists? Blizzard, why did you decide to do this? This is infuriating. This is so freaking dumb. Why have you done this? Anyway, the Amsterdam Hotel is contemplating taking legal action against the game because they appeared in the game without their permission. You just can't make this up. You just can't make this up. Someone in chat said they feel attacked because they come into a stream and the first thing they hear is me ranting about the game they literally just launched. Look, there's nothing wrong if you play the game. There's just something wrong with Activision Blizzard for reusing the exact same name. Imagine, imagine if uh, Capcom made a new game called Pac-Man and it was a turn-based strategy game instead of, you know, Pac-Man. You'd be annoyed. Or actually, if they released a game called Pac-Man 2 and it turned out to be a point-and-click adventure game instead of Pac-Man. Wait. Anyway, moving on to one of the weirder stories of the week. Here's the headline. I'm just going to read the headline verbatim. A very topless man is leaking Hideo, which is Kojima's next project. First off, I just want to ask PC Gamer, 
What makes a very topless man from just a regular topless man? And you know what the worst part is about all this? Though you know the main reason why this is a story? It's because Kojima has this history of using very unorthodox methods to tease and promote his games. So everyone's suspecting this, this leak, which is just one guy wearing no shirt and has about the same physical physique of me holding up a phone to a laptop screen to capture the gameplay of this other than, you know, using OBS like a normal sane person. Everyone suspects that this is not actually a leak. This is an intentional promotional video made by Kojima. And for that, I say, well, you do you, man. You do you. Next up, Porsche has reinvented has re reinvented the exhaust speaker. The exhaust speaker. Of course, why not? So while you're just going down the road, you too can be blasting your music outside through the exhaust for the low, low price of $12,000. You know what the worst part is? I can totally see a lot of people willing to spend an extra $12,000 to be that annoying. Well, in any case, I'm glad I live in the Midwest where we are too frugal to go ahead and do anything this stupid. But uh, for those of you on the coasts, I pity you. I truly do. You have my sympathy. Good luck surviving every single moron that went ahead and bought this exhaust soundbar. And these are some weird stories, but that doesn't compare to our last verb, the last story of the day, the weirdest story of the week. You know how we keep comparing Final Fantasy XIV, the critically acclaimed MMO, to a better version of the metaverse? Well, the main reason being is that, first off, the metaverse has no legs. So already it's a very immersive breaking sort of thing. But also because everything they're trying to say, oh, we added this, we added that. There's an entire freaking game out there with an entire economy, clubbing, everything you'd ever want. I mean, you, if you, you can do whatever you want in FF14. There's a great story to follow. There's great, amazing music, actually. There are people who go ahead and create houses that end up becoming giant DJ parties, clubs, restaurants, cafes. There's a whole, there's an, if you actually dive into the RP world, there is a better, more robust world within this one MMO than there is in the entire metaverse. So naturally the biggest problem here is the fact that it's not in VR, but here's the thing. The FF14 community has a very robust modding community and they did it. The mad lads actually did it. Someone went ahead and made a Final Fantasy 14 VR mod and you, <laughs> and you can absolutely just play the entire game if you so chose in VR. Like this probably wouldn't be for me, but I feel like this would definitely be in the category of don't knock it till you try it. And quite frankly, it is very difficult for me to, uh, to say that this is a terrible idea, especially when you consider the clubbing universe, the RP universe, and uh, the RP universe with an E in front of it. There's gonna be a lot of people that are gonna like this for all the wrong reasons. But let's also be perfectly honest, the modding community within FF14, while massive and big, also runs very underground. And the fact that uh, Flat 2 VR is being very public about this mod and even using the Square Enix logo in their promotional material, as cool as this is, I guarantee you this is going to be shut down and destroyed and cease and desisted into oblivion within a matter of a few weeks. And quite frankly, it is hard for me to uh, say that it wouldn't be all that surprising. Folks, that is going to do it for this episode 
of Eagle Eyes on Tech. Thank you so much for listening. And I do encourage you. Oh, excuse me. Check out the daily podcast, the early bird briefing, which airs every single morning at anchor.fm slash early B-I-R-B briefing, or check out my Twitch page, twitch.tv slash Eagle Falcon. Stream every Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday. Times always vary. Or just check out all the stuff at eaglefalcon.card.co. Take care, and hopefully you have a great day. I just got to remember this for the next time that I'm doing Sa- Savage. What I, what we got to do the next time I get clipped and end up going to the wrong spot. Oh, no, 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 no. It's not that I didn't know the mechanic. I was doing this in VR, guys. It's getting so weird doing this in VR, guys. I'm, I'm, I'm not a complete in, in, incompetent red mage trying to do the hardest content in the game. It's because I'm doing this in VR. I'm totally better if it weren't for the fact that I was in VR, right? Yeah, I'm going to use that the next time I start messing up catastrophically inside the raids. We'll see how well that goes.